is another episode of Media Camp with Sergey Ross. I'm back here, and today we are speaking to somebody who's a fun maker for brands and is also the CEO and a co-founder of a humorous branding and marketing agency called Obedient. Look, let's be honest. How often do you really laugh when you're reading marketing copy on a B2B or B2C website? Uh, like almost never, I'll bet. And so Ali is really, really good at writing humorous copy that gets your customers psyched. Here she is. This is another episode of Media Camp. I'm Sergey Ross, and I'm here with Ali Lefever. Ali, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Tell me about the. You recently launched your podcast, the second one. Tell me yes. how how did that go? Yeah, it's great. We uh, we launched the trailer um, in July, and we've been uh, steadily recording interviews. So the podcast is brand splaining. And the, the whole premise of brand explaining is it's business casual conversations for entrepreneurs who need to be the center of attention. So uh, because our agency is built on fun and humor and levity and really taking that approach into, um, into branding and creative, we decided we wanted to talk to um, entrepreneurs and brand strategists and marketers and you know CMOs, et cetera, folks who were really leading some of the world's most notorious and memorable brands and talk to them about their creative process and and you know why they went left when their their everyone else in their industry went right but we wanted to to move away from the non-traditional interview format so there there is a little bit of q a but it's i would say it's quite different than a lot of the standard business questions because mm -hmm. we wanted to infuse levity and play into it and then we do fun games and uh yeah it's really it's so delightful it's it's so fun i feel like we get to draw out the best in our audience and it's been really good we we have eight interviews under our belt already and they're they're in the editing process now and we're going to start rolling them out in a few weeks that's great that's yeah. i was just going to say because I, I i would assume you did something different to differentiate yourself because there's so many shows to talk about entrepreneurs interview entrepreneurs and all of their paths but you uh just considering you what you're doing with your with your agency you would like come up with a different angle yeah we did and when we've uh and we've had a, a chance to so far talk to some awesome brands we we've spoken with uh aviation gin and tushy and thinks and girls night in and just some just folks who are doing really surprising and entertaining and engaging things in their industry and uh it's been it's been great because I mean, we hem hawed on an interview and a podcast format and style for a really long time because we didn't want to roll out something that felt like a slog that felt like we were going to hit the same topics. So we really niched down and, and we figured we, we would talk to folks about the thing that we love the most about branding and marketing, which is how to make it memorable and wild and surprising and and something people folk, uh, something people talk about. Do you ask them any uh questions that stand out, like any weird questions, any hypothetical questions that would be, you know, just bring them a little bit of, just show the other side of them to, to the audience. Do you do any of that? Besides yeah, well, the, the fun factor, right? Yeah, well, we tailor all of our questions um, to the guest, which is really fun. So we have this back catalog of like 40 questions and then we tweak all, we don't ask that many, we ask about like eight, let's say, but we, we start with um, kind of our list, we look at who who do we think would, um, like what questions would draw out the best dialogue from these guests, and then we, we customize them. But some fun things that we've been doing, one of the little fun uh, quirks of the podcast so far is 
in the in the intake process when we're asking folks just questions about their company and their role and you know creative projects and all of that so kind of getting ourselves prepped and ready for the interview we always ask people about a really embarrassing uh, situation and that they feel like comfortable talking about now and then we always kick off the interview um, framing the first question around that embarrassing uh, moment and it it makes people laugh and it loosens them right up and it gets that it like just shakes them out of the nervousness of, of an interview because even though some folks are very often in the public eye, there's a lot of people who are, uh, you know, brand directors and creatives and CMOs who are not public facing and they got a ton of nerves when, when they're, when they're about to be interviewed. And so we, we try to kick off with two to three really playful, silly, funny questions that'll get them, um, relax so they can just have fun and come and be comfortable and enjoy the rest of the interview. That's a great hook. That's a very good hook. Yeah, uh, thank I, you. I, and it's, it's also very custom, which is which is great. You know what it reminds me we have. Um, so I'm in Toronto, Canada, and we have this meetup. Well, we had a meetup when we were able to go outside. Yeah, uh, it's called it's called fuck up nights. And uh, fuck up nights was essentially it's like a for entrepreneurs and you get there and then somebody tells their fuck up and you you tell you hear some crazy stories. And it was interesting There's so many other meetups like that in Toronto, but that one gets like five times, 10 times more attendance because it's oh, so much yeah. fun. It's this weird stories that are funny and then you can still learn something from it. So that mix that you are also working on, like having this like you know, fun aspect of brand is so effective. It just draws a lot more people in because it's like, look, event is at 6 p.m. You are probably did something already. You want to have a little bit of a laugh. You don't want to hear about 10 steps of how get to your $10 million valuation, which is mm -hmm. fine. There's a place for that. But like, like, can we just get something to, you know, just laugh a little bit? Yeah, I, first of all, I love that name. Fuck up nights is it's so memorable and it's really funny and you know, it's, you already know it's going to make you laugh and smile and have a, a silly goose time because yeah, it, and that's what it is. It's like, I think it's a really human, it's a very human to, to talk about the times we were uncomfortable, especially when we were, we're far past it, where we can reflect back and laugh really hard about those moments. Um, and so it just, it, I love that because I think it draws out just the best parts of people and it's relatable and it's humanizing. And yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I want to like steal that and bring that to Chicago. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> and you know, what's interesting, they start their, their thing and saying, Hey, we are not fucked up nights. We are not these and this and these names. And they yeah. go through all the names. Cause some people, you know, they, they mispronounce it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it's a very funny format too. What about for you? Are you, um, you obviously, talk to the guests first, like, Hey, this is like, are you okay to share a story? What kind of story you can share? You, you do a bit of a rehearsal, right? Of course. And, and the way the question is framed, it's not, um, it's not deeply embarrassing things. It's like funny, silly, embarrassing little moments, um, that they are willing to talk about and share. So they, they, when they answer the question, they know it's something that we say that you're, are you willing to share? But they're always surprised when it's the first thing we kick off the interview with. Because we joke around and we always say, um, you know, we ask every question, we ask every guest this question, and then we tailor the question very specifically to that story. And then, and then everyone laughs because everyone's in on it. And then they tell this story. And again, it's just, it's a really warm entry into an interview. Absolutely. This is a great, this is a great hook. And speaking oh, of hooks, thank you. Um, you uh, obviously do a lot of humor marketing um, yeah. and it works very well. How do you 
when you are starting to work with a client, how do you find, what do you look for at first to uh, understand like, hey, this is the humor could work for you. The humor might not work for you. And then if it does, then let's, let's start here to develop, develop the hook and then develop the whole plan. Yeah, well, I'm a believer that humor and fun and levity and some variation of that can work with any industry and any business. Um, the, the beauty of humor as we think of it as it, I, it's like, uh, there might be very, uh, some people might have a very specific idea in their head in terms of what humor is, but we see it as like a very nuanced, um, approach in terms of th there are a million different tones and tactics you can take when leveraging humor in your brand. So that's everything from being very bold and direct and snarky you can be self-deprecating you can be clever and witty you can be very subtle you can be very dry you can be very uh uh cynical there's like a million different shades of it you can be playful and silly and 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 jokey and teasy but so when we're working with any client again we believe that we will find a way to leverage it in some capacity the the biggest thing for us is we have something we call a consumer emotion strategy where we're our whole intake process is trying to understand the audience because we are working with brands and not people. So we want to develop a brand personality that will resonate and, uh, and elicit the right response and the right reactions from their ideal audience. So what we care about is how does their audience feel? What is, what does their audience care about? What matters to them? What are they going to react to? How are they going to feel when we um, say X, Y, Z about their brand? So, we go into every project with the first piece, deeply trying to understand uh, the brand from the perspective of whoever we're working with. And, and then the, we, we deeply care about the audience. We care about the competitor landscape because if there's already someone in your industry that's leveraging humor in some capacity, we're certainly not gonna replicate that. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna find your own lane. Um, but it's, it's more than just coming up with uh, funny things to say on behalf of your brand. Again, it's deeply rooted in develop. You, you've used the word, but we develop a hook. So what is the, what's the through line of your business? What, when we distill your, your business down to kind of one core essential message, what is it? So a, a hook can often be a tagline. It can be a slogan. It doesn't have to be. It's, it's just that foundational starting point. When, when we talk about your business, what is the thing that's going to matter the most to your audience, what's going to resonate with them. And then how do we say it in a way that, that they're going to be able to hear it and respond to it. And it's such a fun process because there's sometimes we play around with different tones and styles once we've really landed on that hook. And then there's just kind of this gut moment where we go, you know what, this is the right lane. Like this is the one that's going to land. This is the one that's going to, people are going to respond to. Now we're not trying to please everyone. Uh, the beauty of picking a lane in, in any area of your business is you, it's good to be a little polarizing. It's good to have certain people really respond to you and other people know that you are not for them because then the people that do respond to you and do engage with you and do share about you and talk about you and buy from you, those are your ride or die folks. Those are the people who, who love you. And, and, and if you're speaking directly to them and, and speaking for them, then that's when you really start to build brand loyalty and and notoriety right right no that absolutely that absolutely makes sense where it's it's uh just finding that that insight that would resonate with your audience and how do you do that like do you I've, i'm pretty certain you wouldn't be um an agency that would say hey let's go read those reports that's probably not where you start where, where would you where would you go to start up like let's 
here's here are the customers how do we how do we find what they are interested in what they're into and how would they react after you come up with a few ideas yeah well i mean part of it is that uh myself and my business partner and our, our team members have been in this space in some capacity for 10 plus years so i think we have a really good pulse on branding and marketing and copywriting especially and and we you know we have comedy a comedy background in some in some sense so we have kind of all that training of improv and comedy and comedy writing and in our back pocket so that's kind of one piece the other piece is that is that you know we again are deeply uh are deeply looking into uh, the the audience the, the audience of our um of our client so Again, we're gathering all this information and gathering all this data about them, but it's not just it's it's not demographic data that that is kind of less important in terms of what we care about. We care about, um, you know, emotion, you know, we call it audience psyche, like where like what is the mindset of your consumer? And so once the, the our client is is sharing information about their audience and those and their and those segments and we're further exploring it and we're asking, I mean, we have a very robust intake process that uh, we haven't had one client go through it yet that didn't say, wow, that was pretty hard. <laughs> and what would that, uh, that be? Uh, what would that be more like conversations with the clients directly or would that be phone calls? Uh, what would that look like? So like in do, terms of the interaction? Yeah, well, we start with um, a questionnaire. So we want them to dump all of their thoughts down on paper. It, you know, obviously it's an intake questionnaire. So it's very, it's very organized and it, there's a specific flow to it and questions build on each other. And then I always get on a call with folks um, after, so we can we can dis, uh, we can distill that information down, and I can poke holes in it, and I can understand. Well, what did you mean by that? Or that was a pretty vague answer. Can you say that to me mm -hmm. in layman's terms? Or that sounds um, like a platitude. Like if you were talking to the average Joe, uh, how would you say it? And so we're trying to get to the more human side of their brand. Again, their their audience, what they care about, what matters to them, what drives them, what are they afraid of, what. What are they thinking about? What are they sick of hearing about? And trying to really deeply understand them so that we can treat their business as a person where we're developing a personality that would really connect with their consumer. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's like a really, I mean, it's a very multi-tiered, robust process, but it's a very human process because ultimately we're trying to humanize uh, brands because you know, I think for, for so long, um, brands have either taken an approach that's very boring and watered down and plays to the masses. And they're, they're trying to be, they're trying to be for everyone, which makes them kind of for no one, which is why there's a lack of brand loyalty to some degree. Um, so there's kind of that camp or there's a camp that have used a very effective tool that we don't utilize, but that is preying on insecurities, preying on fears, um, digging into pain points. And we want to understand all those things, but we want to play to the pain points, not prey on them and not make feel someone feel bad and empty and in order to get uh, a sale, right? Like we don't yeah, play right. that game on behalf of our clients. So that, that's not how we approach any of the creative components. And so, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really delightful process that I think when, you know, when you humanize a brand that way and, and, a, and your consumers like you and they trust you and they know you and they feel good in your presence, like they stick around for the long haul because people want to be in the presence of things that make them feel good. And that is brands included. And, and so if, 
if you play that game, it's it you know it yields really delightful results. How many customers do you need to do you want to talk to that when you're satisfied? Like how many on average would you say, you know what, this is enough. We don't we don't have to keep going. I mean, I, I don't know if there's like a specific number, but we're always trying to 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 think of the, the people who are the ride or die core base. And and I, I we haven't met a a, a client yet who hasn't had a, a decent understanding of who those people are. You know, I think sometimes we have to we have to rein our clients in a little bit, and and, and they they start talking really excitedly and, and mm -hmm. enthusiastically about these customers who they've come they're their first customers. They've come back and purchased multiple products. They talk about them. They share about them. Like they're they're their biggest brand enthusiasts. And then what happens is they is they want to then start to water that down. Or, or or wait, that could be my audience, or that could be my audience. And so. What we do is we really focus on that core consumer base, and then we might have some messaging that is an extension of the foundational messaging that might um, draw in or talk to or speak to some of these other adjacent consumer bases just to see, like, are these people, can, mm -hmm. can these people be more engaged with your brand? Is there a way to, uh, to frame the messaging or speak to them that resonates or that they respond and react to? So we definitely play with that too, but we're really fixated on that, on that ride or die uh, base because those are the people who are going to be, you know, a brand evangelist. They're going to be the people that share on social media. They're going to be the people that give you good feedback. Yeah. So, the, the so super those are fans. the folks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about, um, what are some of the common traits? What, what connects the clients that you work with together? Cause there's gotta be certain, certain thing where like, you know what? Yeah. They are okay to use humor. They like humor. They're like, you know what? Let's go try to use humor and maybe get some results. Cause some companies would be totally against that, which is that's how they think about it. But what are some of the characteristics you'd say folks who you work with? Well, I would say that it is folks who are willing to be a little uncomfortable in the branding process because we have to do something different than what else is out there. We have to shake things up a little bit. We have to dissent from your industry. We have to dissent from your competitors. Um, so I think it's people who are willing to be a little bit avant-garde. They're uh, willing to push boundaries. They're willing to be a little polarizing. Now, when I say polarizing, we we don't um, we don't really play in shock value humor. I, I don't personally like shock value. My business partner doesn't, so we never do that type of humor. Um, or the lowest hanging fruit humor, like that's just not our style. What's, what's, what would be the shock value? What would be the example just for, for the audience? Of, a lot of swearing or saying things that are right. deliberately con uh, confrontational just for the sake of getting a reaction and response out of people or, or like low, really low hanging fruit. Like if it's the first piece of copy you think of, it's, it's the easiest copy to think of. And that, and that's something we throw out. Um, so I would say that like our, our clients are, they know the value of doing, of, of differentiating in their industry. They know the value of getting eyes and attention on their brand. They know the value of, again, being willing to not be a copycat, to not just be a, a, a sheep following along with the herd. So, and it's really awesome to see. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I definitely end up playing coach a little bit. <laughs> of course. Um, 
just because it can be scary when you start to see when you when you start to want to roll things out. But um, we, you know, we've yielded some awesome results. And, um, and then I think once they start to get the response and reaction, then they take a breath of fresh air. They're like, oh, okay, people are gonna like it. But, um, but yeah, it can be a little scary for folks. Where do you find inspiration? And where would you recommend for people to find inspiration who want to try humor in their marketing? Maybe they're marketers right now, maybe they're building their personal brand. Uh, where do you think they should be looking at or trying to implement it? Maybe certain practices they can apply to just start just testing it. Yeah, well, I, w I would say that if you're a personal brand, then you have to you have to look with within in terms of your own personality and the things that you respond to and react to. And, and I, I, because you are your brand, so you can't really cultivate a brand personality in the same way you have to really just show up in an integral, authentic way. And I, and I believe that to be across all brands, whether it's personal or corporate, but I think that that's very different than a, a, a corporation. Um, but in terms of corporate brands, I, I, I definitely think that, first of all, I think you have to be honest with yourself and say like, do you have the skill set to, to execute that? Because just, just because you might think something's funny personally, doesn't necessarily mean it's right for your brand. I mean, a lot of times we see brands who are not cohesive or don't really have uh, any connective tissue in their messaging and that just try to hop on bandwagons on social media and it doesn't really land. They try to wedge their their product or their offering in these kind of pop culture zeitgeisty moments and it often falls flat and it feels very disjointed and disconnected. So. I really do think like it's either bringing in an expert who really can have a strong understanding of branding and marketing and how to resonate and, re and uh, reach an audience, or if you have someone on your team, awesome. Um, but I would say that, you know, start to look at, I wouldn't, I would look at folks in your industry who are, who have strong branding just to see like, what are people reacting and responding to, but you absolutely do not want to copy any shred of that. I think it's just good to see what else is happening in your industry. I think it could be helpful to look at um, adjacent industries or maybe industries that have nothing to do with your brand that maybe you, that you seem to have maybe a, a slight overlap in an audience base to see how are they presenting and how are they shaping their brand? I, again, you're not going to copy, you're not going to replicate, but just as inspiration and fodder. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I think is often a misstep is that people are just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And I think that's a misconception with humor that's done really well um, and fun and levity that's mm -hmm. done really well. And, and just like you see a stand-up act and you think it's so funny and so seamless, like those jokes have been written and rehearsed and practiced for a solid year. They're cohesive. They're telling a narrative. There's a story there. Like there's, it's timing, it's understanding your audience, it's tweaking, it's, it's all of that because, and, and that's something that we think about when we think about branding is that it's not about a quick hit joke. Like we have, we kill our darlings all the time. If it doesn't work with the foundational hook of the, of the brand, if it's not a cohesive part of the brand personality, for example, if the brand is very dry in tone in terms of how we develop it, we're not going to do a really silly, 
even if we love it, a really silly piece of copy that we think is hilarious and wonderful, it doesn't work with the brand. And so we oh, have to you'll be it. obviously you'll be obviously looking at the previous stuff that they have shipped before. Like you want to account for that too. Like you just you don't want to just flip a uh, flip a page and say, hey, brand new from today. It's you still want to have certain certain correlation to what what's been done before. Well, to some degree, right? I mean, there's some time, like we want to have a consistent brand experience and, and we don't want it to feel out of left field. I guess I'm more mean with if we're developing initial branding for someone down oh, the from road, scratch. we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to flip it around and all of a sudden start wedging in other pieces of copy that just don't work cohesively. And I think like that's what happens when it becomes very DIY. Um, the, so yeah, so that would be just one thing I say, mm -hmm. I don't mean to be, uh, to be a downer to say you can't do it on your own but i do think that you know uh my my business partner and i talk about this all the time is that often design is treated with a lot more respect because it you know you you design within a platform it feels like a skill set most people don't have but then because everyone writes in some capacity every day whether it's text messages on social media everyone thinks they can just do it well <laughs> but, like like with marketing right yeah it's like just because you can do one part of it doesn't necessarily mean that that you have the expertise in it. And I'm not saying that to just heighten my own expertise, but it, that it is a difference. And so you have to approach your own brand um, cohesively. There has to be connective tissue. You have to draw all of your copy and messaging should tie back to some core key element and foundational piece of your brand. Um, now if, sorry, I, I'm going very long winded on this, but I, I want to just hit on one last point. I think if you're going to test the waters with, uh, humor, levity, play, cleverness, witty, witticisms, whatever, um, some nice places to start are social ads. That's a, that's a really nice place to, to, to get people to pay attention to your brand and to, to drive traffic. So you can start to play with you can start to step out of your comfort zone and play a little bit with your tone of voice and your brand's personality and, and like that, or email marketing is a really fun place to, to play and flex and, and have a little fun. Um, but then again, ultimately all those things drive back to your home base, which is your point of sale, which is often people's digital, your, their website, which is their digital presence. So you do want, you don't want it to feel abrupt or to feel like a 180 when people get back to your site and it's like dry, boring, <laughs> uh, you know, and it feels like a totally different brand. So, but there are little places you can start to dip your toe in the water that, that can start to, you can start to see how people react and respond. What about uh, yourself, Allie? What do you look for in inspiration just to keep yourself sharp, keep yourself, because uh, you need a lot of ideas. You got to have the the repository of ideas with pretty much any creative work, especially the type of work that you are doing. What do you do? Um, it's probably going to be like unprofessionally or just like um, on the weekend that to get that. Yeah, I mean, well, one, one thing is I'm a huge comedy fan. I, I think I, the thing about comedy I think is so beautiful is it's such a humanizing experience. I think if you can make people laugh or smile or feel good, it, it does so much more than, than, uh, elicit, a a happy, joyful response. It also, again, like it can be very humanizing. It can make a cl complex idea feel very digestible and 
um, and, and very e easy to navigate. It can take something that's very mundane and dry and make it more entertaining. So, so I look to comedians who are observers of humanity and who do a really good job of, of distilling these complicated, complex thoughts into really pithy, witty, clever ideas. I, I consume, so I consume a lot of, a, a lot of, you know, stand-up acts and, and, uh, you know, comedic shows and comedic writing and, and who, who do you like, who do you, who do you follow? Who do you, uh, who, who are oh the my favorites? God. God, there's so many people I love. Um, I listen to a lot of different styles because, um, like <laughs> I listen, I watch and listen to everyone from like the very slapsticky impractical jokers, which is a very silly teasy type of humor to like someone who's a little bit more bold, like a Whitney Cummings, someone who has a little bit more dry, uh, delivery, like Jerry Seinfeld or Sebastian mm -hmm. Maniscalco. I oh, love... he's, a, he's a good one. I, yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah. I'm Italian and all my family's obsessed with him. So, <laughs> um, I also love, like, I love Schitt's Creek. I love the good place. I love the office. I love parks and rec. I mean, kind of anything by Mike Schur is, is a delight. I listen to a ton of comedy podcasts. I, I really like the podcast. Good one which is uh, they, uh, the host invites a comic on to break down one of their jokes in terms of how they approached it. You know, what are the tweaks and changes they make? So like, so like kind of that's all the comedy consumption that like me and our team does. But, but I also just read a ton because I, I think words are just the most powerful tool you can leverage. And I am, I, I love poetry. I love novels. I, I just, I love language. I subscribe to this um, daily newsletter where it, it, it shares like uh, unfamiliar words with you. And so I, I love that because it gets me, it gets my brain expanding and go, oh, that's a way to say that in, in a way I, I'm not familiar with or I haven't really heard before. So yeah, I just love all of that. Um, I'm like a word freak. <laughs> it's it's like an app where you have like a new word per day, like something like an, an unknown word of the day, right? Yeah, or, a word of the uh, day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you tried? Uh, you got you, you probably have tried. You mentioned it improv. You have tried comedy before, have you? So I've done improv before. I have no. There's not a single bone in my body that has any desire to be in comedy in any sort of stand-up form i i've never pra done that practiced that desired that um what, why not I, I just don't i don't know i'm i i mean i i'm very outgoing and extroverted but i i don't really care if i have a spotlight that's like i really like the i like creating for the sake of creating it's just like a fun delightful experience so i like creating internal obedience stuff and i like creating on behalf of clients i i I, uh, I don't mind doing it behind the scenes and just getting to like revel in it that way. Um, you know, I, I get some improv out of my system with my other really very silly podcasts that I do with my uh, co-founder of my agency and um, one of my buddies. So that's, I, I do like improv. I love riffing and I, I love teasing and, and just playing with my friends. So that's, so that's fun. But yeah, I, I love enjoying stand-up i've never had a desire to do but that but not not being on stage not being on stage and i mean it's a bit intimidating for sure but like doing that on stage would not 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 a part of the plan yeah i think i i think i'm too fragile for it <laughs> you know as <laughs> as thick a skin as i've developed in some ways you know when it comes to like you know pushing back with clients um 
yeah, I, I don't think my my poor soul could could take uh, being in front of ten thousand people and and uh, them re- reacting to me real time. I, I just don't <laughs> think I could take it. <laughs> or or not, or not reacting, which is the, actually probably oh, the worst. Oh God, which would be the worst? Someone being indifferent or or, or hate what you're saying? Oh, I, I don't I don't I couldn't do it. <laughs> how did how did um Ali? How did the this whole idea of of the agency and 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 uh, like the agency with this angle came up came about. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, myself, my my background was I um, so I worked at consulting firms for many years, and then I worked at a startup. I was a, a VP of engagement, so I developed. You know, I, I guess I developed the brand's personality before that was really a thing in my mind. I was developing the consumer engagement strategy how you know what's the voice and what are the visuals we need to develop in order for our our audience to like our our startup our product and so i did that for about a year and we you know it was we we were one of the first subscription box companies on the market um kind of in their in their heyday Mm -hmm. I, i think they've hit a second wave but back in the day when they first came out and uh that was my real first foray into uh, like overseeing uh, the kind of the the brand strategy and like really developing all of that from scratch and and testing out my my um, copywriting chops and and I I had always thought thought of myself as a, a very strong writer but I had never really deployed it in any sort of branding or marketing capacity and so that was really fun I can remember when I was working there it was the first time I felt like a thrill when I would get to do my work. So I was like, Oh my God, this is a thing I, I love and I'm good at. And I, I get to create and I get to play and I get to see how people respond and react. So that was a riot. And then I went on my own for a while and I was doing brand strategy and development and program development for folks. And so I was actually building out sales funnels for people in terms of, you know, what's the messaging, what's the this the sales page you need to need to be and what are all the messages we have to communicate along the way to get people to that end goal and end result and i i was deploying humor and i was using levity but i didn't like i didn't really like the uh the process i felt like it was smarmy and Mm. even though like i felt like the approach i was taking was a very delightful refreshing surprising approach i still didn't really love that whole sales funnel process kind of in the more traditional way but I was doing brand development and 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 creating these this messaging of these sales funnels for folks and then Lindsay my co-founder of my agency um she was my best friend and she was a a copywriter and comedy writer and we would just kind of you know uh, shoot the shit and talk about how you know our approach to branding and marketing and what worked and what we liked and what we didn't and we started to just talk about that we really love this fun levity play centric approach we thought it was really effective we didn't really see people doing it and so we started to partner on some projects just on the side of our regular thing and we loved it we're like oh my god look i want to work with you every single day i can't get enough we can't get enough of each other (laughs) and so we decided hey what if we did this for our, our our main thing. What if we built an entire agency around this idea that fun sells, that there is a better, more powerful, positive way to approach branding and marketing? Like what if we could disrupt our industry and instead of preying on our consumers' pain points, we could delight them instead. And 
that's where obedient came from. And, uh, and it's been about four years and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, I wake up, it sounds so cheesy, but I, I literally wake up every day excited to work and I never, ever really felt like that. Um, I get to work with my best friend. Our team is hilarious. They're really talented. I get to do cool shit all day. You know, it's hard work too, right? Don't get me wrong, but man, it, like I get to laugh for a living and that's the dream. <laughs> no, it doesn't, doesn't sound cheesy. I mean, I think, I think, uh, you know, once you, once, once you do something that you really enjoy and you have done something you really hate, or maybe you you are doing something that you really hate and you have something that's like a side hustle that you really enjoy, it's very easy to feel the difference. Like you, the, oh, the, yeah. just the thought of like, oh my God, I have to do this another thing. I have to write this boring copy that nobody's gonna read or like this, like it just like doesn't make any sense. Like why are we saying it? Like with all those weird words, like it just like nobody, you don't wanna do any of that. Oh gosh, no. it's. And like, also, I'm not a big fan of long form copy when it's like super long winded and you're trying to wedge every thought and idea onto a page. And I feel like that was kind of my world a little bit more before obedient is that trying to, you know, uh, clients wanting me to say everything about their brand instead of distilling it down to the most important things. And what happens if, if you, if you can't say the important thing in 10 words or less, then you don't know what the important thing is. And if you think a if you think a client, or I'm sorry, if you think what your consumer is going to read ten thousand words and and they're gonna figure out what that important thing is, you're like out of your mind. <laughs> well, you so better like, you, you you better offer the product that only you have that everybody really wants, which I, I don't even know any any examples. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to be like the only one. You have to be like the Tesla in your market. And then you can do whatever the hell you want. But other than that, it's it's pretty tough to, to take that approach these days. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Ellie, do you have any customer stories maybe that that were not super successful that you haven't publicly shared before that you would be comfortable sharing right now? Anything that uh, probably are some early experiences, because I know that when you start out there, they're always you you say yes to jobs and you get really weird clients just it happens yeah. with, with an agency and uh, sometimes it doesn't go very well, especially when you're just like owning the process, owning your craft. I wonder if there are any stories that um, you uh, you would like to walk us through. Okay, I can tell you a funny story. So it just came to my head. Um, so we had this uh, one client this one time that um, very cool product and we were tasked, one of the things we were tasked with was naming it. They were going through a rebrand. And um, naming, I think, is the hardest thing we do because naming is very subjective. So we could come up with, we think are the best names on the planet. And if a client personally doesn't resonate with it, it doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter um, how unique and how spot on we got it. Like it is just one of the few things that they're either gonna like it or not. And that's it. You can you could tap dance, you could put on a whole dog and pony show. And, and try to convince them otherwise. And like, you just lock into a name and that's it. And I'm, I'm like that too with our own mm -hmm. stuff. So I get it. So I'm empathetic toward it. Okay. So we did this project and, uh, I think it was some of the best names we've ever come up with this with for a client. Cause they were just, it was such an easy, it was such a, uh, it was a very saturated market, but this market didn't have a lot of like really memorable, punchy, cool names. And so 
presented round one. They really liked round one. And then we, we, uh, we always do a second round after we get mm -hmm. feedback. And so we get to the end and the client wants us to give them more. And we're like, well, you, you already only paid for two, two rounds. And, and so if you want to do, we, we don't recommend, uh, we don't recommend you doing any more rounds at this stage. We think you should test out some of these names, you, you know, run it by your key, your, you know, your core consumers, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry. I'm just giving you a little bit of backstory. For sure. And they, to be honest, they were very, very difficult client that we ended up cutting our project short because they were kind of a nightmare, <laughs> but long story short. So things got a little tense because they didn't want to pay. They wanted us to do more work. They didn't really have any good reason why they wanted more names. They just wanted more names for the sake of it. They weren't even willing to like do any of the testing or acceleration of the names we gave them. Okay. So, so I'm like, Oh man, what I was like feeling so bummed out me and Lindsay. I'm like, God, we've never really had this before. Like having this like weird tension between a client how do we get them back on our side? Like, how do we get them to like treat us like humans again? Cause they were like, we tried to call them. They wouldn't answer. It was just, they would like set fire off these weird emails. It just was also the guy, the guy that was our point of contact. He was pretty toxic. It was just like a funky situation. Anyway, I know I'm like, I'm like giving a lot of backstory. I feel like my mother, she's so long winded, but, um, but so what we decided to do is we decided to write an email to them that peppered in every name that we gave them in a really funny way. So it was a email that was meant to kind of win their hearts back. And, and so we wove in every name we delivered into this email and it was really funny. And we're like, Oh my God, this is either going to hit and be like, it's just going to turn this relationship around or it's going to bomb. <laughs> and it, okay. So it, it landed like, and I, I know it's supposed to be a fail, but like the project was an overall fail because it just, it didn't work out. But like, we took a big risk in trying to win their hearts back by using humor. We're like, we have to use humor to get them back in our good graces so we can like wrap up parts of this project. Anyway, it warmed them up enough and they, they laughed, they responded. They said, that's so clever. That's so witty. And it got them to like reevaluate the names it got them to like re-engage with us. It got them to um, allow us to take them to the finish line in terms of this project we were doing. And they ended up using a, a, a variation of one of the names. And so it overall, like, I'm trying to tell this story because like, uh, I told this story because um, there can be really tense, crappy, frustrating moments in client relationships. They happen to everyone. And like, I just wanted to kind of tie it in a bow to say like, you can use humor to do a lot of heavy lifting sometimes. And, and that was one of the ways where we took like a huge overarching failure of a, of a client relationship. And we, at the end, we turned it around slightly because we were able to deploy humor in a funny way. Um, so yeah, but that it sucks when a client isn't a good match. I mean, that's just sometimes that happens. And it's, it's so hard to, to know, right? Like so hard to know when, like, like you, like you have to, the best advice I've heard on this is you have to evaluate each client on the assholeness scale, on the assholeness scales, one to 10. And if it's, it's, if it's above three, 
you do not work with them because uh, there's this perception of the client is 10 out of 10 asshole and if he pays you 10 out of 10 money then it's okay to work with him and anyone who did the work for those folks no has a good answer and it's not true like that doesn't matter how much they pay you uh, you're no. you don't want to be like the mental the mental drain like this all this like this weirdness it's just not worth the money i agree with you i you know in fairness i kind of knew they were an asshole going into this but i i can sometimes be delusional to think i can like win anyone over if i'm nice enough to them and um i think that's the you know that's my slight delusion going into this project but they were um you know up front i mean i you know uh trying to strong arm, arm us on prices and we don't compete price wise uh, like I, I don't I don't want to work for peanuts like if you do something that you're proud of and it's a unique skill set and you've worked really hard your whole life to be great at it I'm not going to do it for half the price just because you're threatening to take the project away like I don't want to play that game so that was like that was part of it initially and then day one when the project kicked off I started getting texts at five in the morning on my personal cell phone like, here's what we're going to do. And I'm like, oh no, this is going to be a nightmare from this guy. <laughs> but anyway, so, but we, it's funny that you say the asshole scale, because we have like an internal ranking system. We have like six different categories. And when a new project comes in, we don't do like a very formal evaluation, but we kind of run it through this like six category system to say like, you know, a couple of them are like, uh, you know, uh, is it a, a product or service that we're like super stoked about? Are they the only one in their industry that is doing it? So we could go mm -hmm. like hog wild and have fun. Um, are they, do they, are they a referral? So we know they've come from like a really like delightful former client or someone we know that we trust are, you know, is the, you know, is the money good? Like we, we and, and like you have to hit four to five out of those six. Otherwise it's like, how you can't even enjoy your, you can't do a great job if you're working under constrained um, parameters. You know, when I think about my, uh, when I started off as a consultant and doing contract work, most of the time, the worst project I did were the lowest paying ones. Yes. Uh, they were just like, they were like paid terribly. And the clients you end up attracting, like there's a thing, there's this perception of, oh, I'm just going to lower the price and it's going to be fine. But that's not actually what it, what happens. You attract a client that is bargaining with you for like $2 and then they they don't really understand it they they're probably so budget tight that even if you if you ha hit a home run they will they will say okay cool they will never you'll you don't have any opportunities for them and they're really terrible to work with too because any anything that you have a bit of an upsell maybe you need another tool you need something else it's a hard climb you're never going to yeah. get there so like it overall it sucks but then you're like oh it makes sense i got to start so it's just in that position where where you have limited social proof you end up being in that spot that um you kind of attract the wrong people I, I completely agree with you sergey uh it's i i think that if people are trying to nickel and dime you they don't really value what you're offering and so they're going to devalue every part of your process they're going to devalue your humanity they're going to devalue your creative output they're going to devalue your time and and it's i mean it's a burnout process and I, there has never been a project that we have lowered our prices for that has ever not been a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's well. just the, always the nightmares. It is. And so, you know, I don't think you should ever inflate your prices beyond your skill set or capabilities. But, and I do think there are times like we took on a, a project one time um, 
that the, the gal ended up actually being a true delight. Um, and she, it was a nonprofit and it was a cause we deeply cared about. And so we were willing to do the work because we believed in what she was uh, cultivating. So you have to, you know, you have to make those choices, but like overall, if someone is only hammering you on price, then they're going to be problematic generally. Definitely. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a hard balance. I think you, you get better with experience and with having mm -hmm. certain evaluation criteria, because I even remember now, like I had a project and folks reached out to me like, Hey, can you help with this demand generation project? It's like Facebook ads, maybe a few landing pages and we have the startup, we have this product. And this was right when the lockdown happened and I'm like, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we can, we can, we can quote them. I know they will pay and it came through the referral, but then I, I, then I did the scale calculation and I looked at, looked at it and I'm like, the chances of me succeeding is extremely low because it just doesn't make any sense. They are selling retail product for folks who are painting walls in, in mm, homes. It's mm. like the color, like a colorimeter, like the like this mm. thing that measures the color of walls, which is like, okay, cool. So it's a retail product. Uh, but then there's no, n there's no construction, there's no repair, there's no, nobody's painting walls right now when the lockdown is happening. Yeah, so how the yeah, hell yeah. are you going to sell it? I'm like, doesn't make sense. I'm like, no, I can't help you. I know, but it's like, this is just those things you have to evaluate where it's tempting, but the math is, the, the math is important. The process is really important. Mm -hmm. I agree. I know. I think it's, and I'm glad that you have a self, enough self-awareness to have step back from that because I think it's, especially right now, it, it is a scary time for a lot of folks and it, and it can be, um, you know, money can be tight and, uh, there's a lot of industries that get, you know, uh, get hurt first. And, and, and when there's an economic downturn, like, you know, uh, you know, we, we've been fortunate to have a lot of carryover clients, but, you know, uh, marketing and branding isn't, isn't the first thing people are thinking they need, even though it can be so beneficial and helpful during times like this. So, um, I, you know, I applaud you for kind of, uh, maintaining your integrity in the process, even in times like this. Yeah. Thank you. That was, that was, that was later in the process. Cause before I would yeah. have like, yes, oh my God, I'm yeah. taking it. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I get it. I get it. Uh, Ellie, any final messages to the audience? Something I haven't asked you that you wish I did. Many, uh, maybe any um, book or any resources, recommendations that you'd think uh, you'd want to leave the audience with? Gosh, I think one last thing I would say is that I think um, don't be afraid to niche down in your industry. Um, if you can really uh, drill down to the very specific thing you do or you offer or you provide, I think that there's a lot more likelihood that uh, your audience will be attracted to you and will remember you and talk about you when they need this specific thing. I think um, a lot of businesses uh, make the mistake of trying to offer everything and, and do everything and promise everything. And then they're not really known for anything. And the worst thing your consumer can feel about you is indifferent. I mean, they should, they should know exactly who you are, ex exactly what you stand for, exactly what you're about, exactly what you're, you offer, exactly how you would benefit them, exactly what value you provide. Um, so I think like that's a really important piece. It can be very scary to do that, but it, I, I just have always seen it be a more successful road if it's, if it's done in a thoughtful, well-executed way. So that's one last thing I would say. Uh, the other thing I would say is um, don't get too caught up in 
uh, big social media numbers and thinking that's the best way to be, uh, to indicate how, how successful a brand is. Um, there's a lot of brands and products and entrepreneurs out there buying followers, uh, just to hype up what they do. I mean, you can take a quick look at how many people like their stuff and it's like they have 30,000 followers and three likes. Um, so I only say, I only say that because I think people get really caught up on thinking that, uh, the perception of more is better. And if you do good work for a handful of people to start and really maintain your integrity through the process, the, again, those people, they talk about you, they share about you, they refer you. And that's how you start to build a loyal following. Um, you know, all the, none of those bots are buying. So yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I don't want, I wouldn't get too caught up in that. I think it's really easy to, to let social presence, uh, dictate how you run your business, but, um, but it, it's not, it's be, be the tortoise and not the hare. <laughs> so yeah. It's so it, misunderstood. I know it is. And, and it's just, I don't know. It like breaks my heart. You know, I, and I say that as someone who, uh, you know, we've, I, we've just, we've grown, we don't, we don't have the hugest social presence. Um, but we've, we've grown through referrals and email marketing and podcast interviews and, and relationships we've built and all of that. And, and, you know, that that's allowed us to continue to grow as an agency and not get caught up in kind of the, uh, smoke and mirrors. So. Yeah, there are two main reasons, right? It's the shortcut mentality and it's the uh, roadmap mentality. Give me, what's the fastest way give, and then give me the steps. And it just doesn't work this way. Like no, you, I... you don't build relationships with your friends by hitting them up like, hey, are you buying? Like, just doesn't work. No. And, and you know what? I, I like it breaks my heart because I feel like that's what that's what everyone's looking for is like this quick hit you know, six steps to six figures in six hours <laughs> type of type exactly. of mindset. And the, but like all people end up doing is replicating someone else's process and system. So you end up looking like just a, a second tier version of someone else. And it doesn't work to build any sort of brand relationship. I mean, you might trick a couple people into your process, but like, does that feel good? Does that have shelf life? No. Ah. So I don't know. I can go on a whole separate tangent on that, but, yeah, that, but yeah, good... I won't, I won't, that... I won't end it in a, in that way. <laughs> that would be a good episode. No, I know that yeah. will be a little, a little dark for, yeah. especially yeah, for yeah, your, yeah. for your brand. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Keep it light. <laughs> exactly. Allie, where's everybody can find you online? Yeah, you can find our agency, um, at Obedient Agency, anywhere on social, obedientagency.com. You can find our podcast, Brandsplaining, at brandsplainingpod.com or Brandsplaining on any, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, we, we have our trailer up right now and we're going to start launching um, episodes uh, at some point in October. So uh, keep your uh, eyes and ears peeled. Very cool. It was awesome chatting with you, Alan. Thank you so much for coming. That was, that was oh. fun. Oh my gosh, you're so great. Thanks for having me on, Sergey. You're the best. This was another episode of Media Camp with Sergey Ross. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. It was so much fun to make as always. You can find all the resources, links, and books and recommendations from the guests in the show notes. You can connect with the guest as well uh, by following those links. You can connect with me on LinkedIn if we are not connected yet, and I'd love to like comment subscribe all those things if you see this episode on linkedin if you see this episode somewhere else online i would really appreciate it thank you so much for listening to media camp i'm out i'll see you in the next one yeah.